We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I discuss axioms, those time-tested truths that have endured. They have been around. Those lessons that have been passed on to us by our parents, our grandparents, and our great-grandparents. The lessons of the ages, the wisdom of the past, those things that we should remember if we want to become mature, thinking, independent, and free human beings and grow up. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Axioms. I'd like like to talk to you about axioms today, those sayings that have been around forever. Sayings such as, a stitch in time saves nine. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Get back on the horse. No pain, no gain. All of these sayings mean something to you. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. These simple, childlike sayings that you recognize as I rattle them off, and you've got a list of others, have stuck in the recesses of your mind. They've lodged themselves in your soul for a reason. And the reason, I would argue, is that they represent the time-tested truths, almost self-evident truths that have been given to us by God, not necessarily crafted by man. They touch some sort of important point in the heart of the human being. Because we automatically say, yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. There's wisdom there. There's truth there. I get it. And as the context for discussing those axioms, I'm going to use my book, Grow Up. Now, forgive me, some of you might be thinking, Piper, you're getting on the edge of shameless self-promotion by talking about your book, Grow Up, so much the last few shows. But you know what? This is launch week for the book. Um, I'm going to go on the Glenn Beck show next week, I think Monday. I should be going on Fox and Friends on Friday this week. I'll be going on the Huckabee Show on April 23rd. I've got numerous radio shows scheduled, and hopefully more media will um, schedule a time to discuss the book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, my sequel to Not a Daycare. I'm going to discuss that book and why I use so many axioms and what the point is, what the point is of the book, and why I think it's 20 lessons, 20 chapters on number one, the importance of functioning as a mature human being in our culture if we want to be free rather than held in bondage. The importance of growing up, not just for the 21-year-old, but for the 81-year-old, the 51-year-old, the 61-year-old, the 91-year-old, and everybody in between. And how the Apostle Paul, as I've discussed before in his letter to the church of Ephesus, said, 
speaking the truth in love, grow up. Why did he say that? He wasn't speaking to a bunch of millennials per se. He wasn't speaking to a bunch of teenagers or adolescents. He was speaking to some adults that were part of the first century church. And he said, speak the truth in love and grow up. Let's take an early break, acknowledge our corporate sponsors. And then when we get back, we'll talk about axioms and how they basically are the framework for my book because each one of the chapters is grounded in something very similar to these axioms, if not the direct axiom itself. No pain, no gain. Get back on the horse. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a couple minutes, acknowledge those who support us, and we'll be right back to discuss. Grow up. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. One more time, patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper, if you'd like to be a subscribing member to The Rebellion. Okay, so why did I write this book? Well, it's a sequel to Not a Daycare. Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth was my national bestseller that was based on a 2015 confrontation I had with one of my students here at the university that I served as president of, where the student was offended by a chapel sermon that (laughs) was nothing but a homily on 1 Corinthians 13. And as I've said before, if you don't know, 1 Corinthians 13 is the least offensive passage of all of the Bible. It's the passage that says, love is patient, love is kind. It's the quintessential love chapter. And I had a student that didn't like that. He felt uncomfortable. He felt guilty. He felt called out. He felt singled out because the preacher, the speaker for the day in chapel, (laughs) preached a sermon on love. And as you know, I said in a letter, an open letter to my community that went viral, if you want to be coddled rather than confronted, go someplace else, please. Because we're not going to start issuing trigger warnings before altar calls here at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. In fact, the point of most of our sermons is that you do feel guilty. We want you to feel a sense of remorse for your sin. We seek your confession, uh, not your affirmation. And then I concluded by saying, my land, this is a university. It's not a daycare. Well, that commentary on life is not a daycare, the university is not a daycare, the church is not a daycare, the Constitution is not a daycare— A reality is not a daycare. Grow up. My commentary went viral. I still don't know why, but that's another story another time. We've talked about that enough. Well, the sequel to the book, Not a Daycare, is coming out on April 13th. That's when it's going to be released. And please, I encourage everybody to go buy the book. Uh, Yeah, I'm a shameless self-promoter, but I'd like you to buy the book. I mean, most people that write a book think they have something important to say. If I said I don't care, then that might indicate to you that Uh, I wasn't serious about the the thing in the first place. But the message of this book is very simple. A good book, I believe, a good book hardly even needs to be read. Uh, I've said a thousand times over, you hardly need to read um, the quintessential work, Ideas Have Consequences by Richard Weaver, because the title's perfect. Ideas have consequences. Garbage in, garbage out. Ideas matter. There's no such thing as a neutral idea. All ideas lead somewhere. They're directional. They don't just lay stagnant. Value neutrality, ideological neutrality is a nonsense. It's a ruse. 
And I, as I've said over and over again, read the book if you want, but just read the cover. You get it. And I hope I've made that point in not a daycare. Life isn't a daycare. And I hope I'm making the point twofold over, you know, hundredfold over in my book, Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. So the reason I wrote Grow Up is because I'm highlighting the problem. And I wanted to point out some of these axioms of life that are actually the solution to the problem. The problem is we're living as a bunch of children. Our nation is a bunch of pouting, whining children. And no, I'm not just going after Gen Zers and millennials. This isn't a generational joust per se. However, I am challenging those of the younger generations to recognize that those of the older might actually have a thing or two to add to the conversation and that your chronological snobbery is, is actually rather embarrassing and it just betrays your immaturity. So please, Stop the nonsense about looking down your nose at quote-unquote old people, anybody who's over 30. Uh, in the blink of an eye, you're going to be there too. But anyway, that sounds like grandpa scolding the, the kids. So, but that's not the point. I'm, I'm scolding my own. I'm scolding myself. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm saying all of us need to aggressively, proactively recognize that life is a challenge and that you're going to get bucked off the horse and you need to get back on, that there. If there isn't any pain in life, then you're not going to gain anything in life, and that life isn't safe. You should be you should be you should be fighting. You should be reaching. There's you should be reaching for goodness, not safety. And the goodness of freedom, the goodness of liberty, the goodness of biblical justice is the first thing of life. Not feeling comfortable and coddled, affirmed and safe. That's the point of my book. Grow up. But again, it's not just bemoaning the problem. I didn't want to do that again. I think we do need to identify the problem, but we also need to offer solutions. So Grow Up is a book of solutions, 20 chapters, 20 lessons that build off of some of these time-tested truths. Now, why did I say life isn't safe, but it's good? Well, you've heard me talk repeatedly on the show about the great Lion Aslan in C.S. Lewis's books, The Chronicles of Narnia, and how Lewis describes Aslan the son of the emperor beyond the sea, the great savior of Narnia, the sacrifice, the died and risen again lion of Narnia as being not safe, but good. In fact, he mocks the idea of Aslan being safe. Of course he's not safe, but he's good. The, like, the great lion is a lion of goodness, not safety. And that's true of Jesus Christ. The great lion of Jesus Christ is not supposed to be safe. He's good. There's a difference there. The great lion of freedom isn't supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be good. Adulthood. Growing up isn't safe, but it's good. Nobody wants to be in a perpetual crawl their entire life. You don't want to crawl on the floor on all fours like an infant. There's some goodness in maturity, in growing in growing up. Adulthood isn't safe, but it's good. Goodness is always better than safety. Just remember that. Maybe that's the message or the subtitle of today's show. Goodness, objective goodness as defined by God, is always better than safety. First things and second things. It's the C.S. Lewis lesson again. Get your priorities straight. There's a chapter in my book, and I title it, Brush Your Teeth. The reason 
for that is there's some important things in life. And one of the priorities of daily living is to take care of those things. If you don't take care of those things, those priorities in the morning, then the rest of the day could come unhinged. So when you get up every day, set your priorities. You've got hygiene priorities, like brushing your teeth. You have other priorities, like reading, studying, devotions, and praying. Talking with your spouse, setting the day in order, maybe getting up and working out to make sure your body is conditioned and growing and strengthening. Likewise with your mind and your soul. So get your priorities straight, your first things. Like Lewis said, if you put first things first, you often get not only those, but the second things thrown in for good measure. But if you put second things first and you ignore the first, if you don't get your priorities straight, then everything comes unraveled. You're not going to get either the second or the first. You're going to be confined, you're going to be controlled, and you're going to lose your freedom. So in the beginning of my book, in the introduction to my book, Grow Up, I argue that our culture, our country, not just the United States, but Canada, the Western world, I, I, I might have, a couple years ago, just picked on my own, the United States, on Americans, on the stuff that I see going on in our culture. And in fact, in my book, Not a Daycare, it was focused on American education, on the American universities and colleges, on the American educational system, not just colleges and universities, but elementary schools and secondary schools, too. I figured it was my obligation, my responsibility to critique my own. But as we've seen our reaction to COVID, it's not just an American reaction. It's a reaction across all of the world. The rest, Western world, the civilized world, if you will, has cowered in the corner by a, a, like a bunch of frightened little boys and girls just because we were afraid of a disease. Now, I'm not belittling the disease. You, you might rightly respond, Everett, it's approaching 600,000 deaths in America alone. I get that. I understand that. But life isn't safe. It's good. When did we ever live in a world that was free of disease? Cancer, heart disease. Oh, well, those aren't contagious, you say. Well, okay. We live in an environment where there are lots of diseases the flu. And no, I'm not saying that COVID is just another flu. That might upset some people too. Some folks would argue that it is an aggressive flu and that about twice as many people have died from that flu this year as would have died in previous real flu epidemics. Well, we could make that argument, but I'm not a medical doctor, so that's not the point. My point is this. We don't live in a sanitized world. We don't live buried underneath the ground, 10 feet submerged in 10, fi- 10 by 10 foot cubicles with sanitized air pumped in so that we aren't exposed to any viruses and with sanitized food that's completely purified with no contaminants whatsoever that can't hurt us, can't cause cardiovascular disease, can't cause cancer. We don't live in that environment. We could, I suppose, like I've said before, we could invent AI robots to take care of us that way, and they could confine us in these little sanitized bubbles our entire lives and extend our life expectancy by 10 or 20 years. We could live till we're 95 or 100 years old in those circumstances, I suppose. But is that what you were created to be? Were you created to be a lab rat confined 
in a little cage so that you could just be protected your whole life and be safe. Is there something better than that? Is there a goodness beyond that? That's the point of my book, Grow Up. So our culture seems to be stuck in perpetual adolescence. We're acting like a bunch of spoiled children rather than mature and confident adults in the way we respond to almost everything. Cancel culture. You've heard the stories over and over again of cancel culture. I just read a news article this morning about how Fox is featuring Tucker Carlson and uh, Gutfeld, uh, Greg Gutfeld, as key leaders of the network right now, giving them new shows, new exposure, new time frames, a larger voice, a bigger platform, because they're fighting cancel culture. We recognize that this is a problem. Cancel culture is a childish and self-focused culture. It's always looking to blame everybody else. It's always introspective. It's always narcissistic. It's gazing in the pool, infatuated with self, caring little about anything else or anyone else around us until the point that we're so mesmerized with our own grandeur, our own beauty, that we slip and we fall in and we drown. That's what's going on in this childish cancel culture, this virtue signaling, this culture of microaggressions, of demanding that you affirm me rather than challenge me. This is all adolescent temper tantrums and nothing more. Progressive politics is likewise. I mean, you see it in Washington, D.C. Blame, blame, blame. He did this. He did that. He's acting childish. I can't believe that Donald Trump tweeted that. While the person saying it, Nancy Pelosi, stoops to the childish antics of tearing up the president's speech in front of the nation. Now, if that is your idea of mature leadership, then I've got a bridge to sell you in the desert. That's nonsense. Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, safe spaces, trigger warnings, microaggressions, identity politics. Like I said, our response to COVID, the demand to be taken care of rather than to take care of ourselves, the elevation of safety over freedom, the constant drumbeat of feelings trumping facts. All of this, all of this is the same thing. It exposes our country's immaturity. It is coddling rather than courage. That's what we want. We don't want to be courageous. We don't want to be commended for having spine and tenacity and running into the storm, willing to fight. We want to be taken care of while we coddle in fear that the storm might rain on us. It is comfort rather than character. This is milk rather than me meat. Milk rather than meat, to use the Apostle Paul, St. Paul's analogy, metaphor, when he challenged the church, the first century church, to grow up. Speak the truth in love and grow up. It's a temper tantrum of a child rather than the tempered resolve of an adult. Another axiom, as iron sharpens iron, let one man sharpen another. That comes right out of the book of Proverbs. It's written by Solomon. As iron sharpens iron, let one man sharpen another. Another. It suggests this refining by fire, this tempering of the steel, the strengthening of adulthood, rather than this perpetual whine and tantrum of an infant. So how did we get in this mess? 
I think we got in this mess because of our schools. It's my industry. We're to blame. We've been teaching this nonsense for decades, and we shouldn't be surprised to find a culture that has no sense. I mean, my land, you've got a, a school board member in Portland right now that's saying that the mascot should be changed. Do you know what the mascot is? A tree. It's a pine tree. And the school board member is offended by it. And she's saying her community is offended by the mascot. That's a tree. It's a Christmas tree. It's a pine tree. It's a spruce or whatever it is up there. I don't know. But she says it's offensive. And it could conjure up images of lynching. Are you serious? Are we now going to be told that we're being culturally insensitive, that we're guilty of white privilege, that we're not acknowledging the conflicts, endemic and intersectionality? If we have Christmas trees in our homes during the Christmas season, we can't say Christmas anymore. Now we can't have trees. This Nonsense is being taught in our schools. Decades of teaching and preaching bad ideas has resulted in bad culture, bad communities, bad kids, and bad corporations, and bad school boards. The chickens are coming home to roost. There's another thing that got us into this mess, and it's parenting. Helicopter parenting. It's not chickens that are flying in to roost. It's the helicopter parenting is coming home to roost. We raised a bunch of children by constantly hovering over them, protecting them from every challenge. When they fell off the horse, we just gave them a big hug. We didn't tell them to get back on. When the coach made them work, we went and yelled at the coach and accused him of abusing our kids rather than telling our kids no pain, no gain. We didn't tell them to get their priorities straight. It didn't matter. We were going to give them everything regardless of whether they took care of their own personal hygiene, whether it be mental, physical, or spiritual, or moral. We just gave them a great big kumbaya group hug. Their priorities didn't matter. We would take care of them. That is not God's way of dealing with us. We are told that the Lord disciplines those he loves. If I hear one more person draw some sort of false dichotomy between discipline and love, I'm going to scream. I'm going to strangle you. That's not biblical. Discipline. 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 And I do mean spare the rod and spoil the child. I do mean Corporal punishment at times. Discipline. The Lord disciplines those he loves. You know, giving everybody a time out, giving this generation time outs and affirmation, rather than a good swift kick in the tail, hasn't worked all that well for us, had it? has it? And the, you know, the, the frightening thing is, just that last paragraph, those last couple sentences, could get me in trouble. Oh, he's advocating child abuse. Nonsense. Just stop. Just stop. Nonsense. Anyone who has chosen to spank their child, not abuse their child, not beat their child, maybe to just spank their child, a swat on the rear when he misbehaved as a five-year-old, to correct him was demonstrating God's love. He wasn't abusing the child. Oh, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he said that in this this day. A timeout is more appropriate. Talk to the child. Reason with him. Get him to understand. You can't talk to a four or five-year-old and reason with them. Just like God can't talk to you sometimes. You need to suffer the consequences of your poor decisions. The Lord disciplines those he loves. It's almost as if we've taken. We've taken the statement of Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death, and reversed it, and bowed to the foolishness of those saying, I fear death, so take my liberty. 
were so childish and so immature. So the solution to all of this nonsense is to return to the self-evident truths, a return to common sense, to sense that is common, a return to the first things rather than those things that are second, to understand that you don't have to be satisfied, like C.S. Lewis said, with making mud pies in the back alley when you can have a vacation at the beach. A return to the words of Patrick Henry. Give me liberty. Liberty is my first thing, my priority. Or give me death. Liberty is even a higher priority for the human race than life itself. Liberty. Liberty. And if I lose my life in the pursuit and the protection and the guarding of that liberty, so be it. Well, we've reversed it. And now we bow at the altar of I fear death, so take my liberty. The solution, the solution to everything that ails our culture right now is to grow up. Grow up. Recognize that we are no longer children carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and the craftiness in deceitful schemes. Deceitful schemes, human cunning. Every wind of new doctrine. Sound familiar? Sound like critical race theory? Does it sound like intersectionality? Does it sound like these arguments of white privilege? Every wind of new doctrine. Human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. This is nothing but lies. What your children are being taught in the schools is a lie. Life isn't about them. It isn't all about them. They need to stop being taught to love themselves to the extent that they're little narcissists. They need to be taught to love God and love others. They need to understand that love, true love, Christian love, is not synonymous with sex. And the fact that they think that, or that anybody listening to me right now might even think that subconsciously, is, a, is the proof of how lost our educational system has become. True love is the opposite of affirmation. True love is the opposite of tolerance. True love stands in the way and says, stop, I love you enough, I care for you enough to tell you to grow up. Speak the truth. It's an objective reality. It's out there. Truth is real. It's not a matter of opinions. The facts don't care about your feelings. Speak the truth in love, even if it's harsh at times and hurtful at times. Speak the truth in love. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Speak the truth in love. Be truthful and be loving. Don't be enabling. Don't be affirming. Don't lie. Speak the truth in love and grow up. Life is not safe, but it's good. You can get the book on April 13th at any online bookstore, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com. Please consider doing so. Grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.